Welcome to Korean True Crime with me, your host, Mimi Muziko. In today's episode, we will be discussing the Spirit Commanders, a group of teenagers whose interest in witchcraft became something much more sinister. A disclaimer before we get started, all names used in today's episode are selected by me as pseudonyms because all of the involved victim and perpetrators' names were never released to the public. I selected these names from the top 100 baby names in South Korea. Our case today begins on a forum and blog website called Naver Cafe, where teenagers created a group called the Spirit Commanders. It was mostly middle school to high school age kids who had a vague interest in witchcraft and the paranormal. The kids that posted in this group weren't seriously into witchcraft, but they were deeply interested in it, and they expressed interest in wanting to be able to commune with spirits. They even went as far as role-playing the idea of being in control of spirits that they summoned. Some of the teenagers spoke about the importance of the group to them and how it helped them find community. They felt marginalized and ignored in their real lives, and they were able to turn somewhere where they could feel happiness and silliness and friendship. But first, we're going to go back a year before the Spirit Commanders group was created to March of 2011. 19-year-old man Minjun and 21-year-old woman Jia were best friends. They played together on an online massively multiplayer game called Mabinogi. After playing online together for a while, Minjun decided to express how he felt about Jia and ask her out on January 1st, 2012. Well, she felt the same way and they started dating. Like every relationship, and especially because they're young lovers, their relationship began to have some problems. Jia had joined a new group called the Spirit Commanders, and it was becoming everything in her life. She was dedicating every waking hour to posting, messaging, and replying within the group. At first, Minjun was fine with it. He even joined the group to see how it was, but he was skeptical about the spiritualism thing, and eventually it became just way too odd for him to handle any left. However, Gia loved the attention that she was getting within this group and how many people were following her every word. She loved the role-playing and sometimes maybe got a little bit too lost in it. She decided to invite her friends, 16-year-old boy Juan and 15-year-old girl Sua to join the group with her, and they also immediately fell in love with the group. They also began dating a few months later. Gia was putting all of her energy into this group. In fact, she started claiming that she was a certified real witch who was certified by the evil spirit world. She claimed that she could summon evil spirits and make them do her bidding. Gia went as far as to say that she could heal the ill and summon souls from the underworld. Juan and Sua also joined in in the role-playing that she did about being evil summoners who communed with demons that they referred to as their brothers and sisters. And at this point, the spirit commanders had more than 3,000 members, and members were posting at all hours of the day. However, as time went on, the content got stranger. 
Gia's online persona had become a majority of who she was. Her online username, Singing Leka, was named after the first animated television series in South Korea, Leka, about fairies and demons battling it out with witchcraft. After a few months of the group, she believed she was a real witch. It's not my place to comment on the legitimacy of different spiritual groups, so I'll reserve judgment about the claims that she made, but it was clear that her obsession with the group was becoming unhealthy. Gia's involvement in the group began to become hostile. She would post claims that were outlandish and wild and say they were really happening, breaking the kind of role-playing, lighthearted nature of the group. People would be skeptical and comment on those posts, asking her if that really happened. Of course, they were curious, and she would lash out, cursing them out, harassing them, or even trying to block them from the group. One of the members that faced harassment at her hands decided to leave the group. They made a post saying goodbye and that they loved everyone in the group, but they couldn't handle how hostile of an environment it had become. That's when Gia went crazy. She gathered some members of the group to place a curse upon the leaving member and even publicly posted about the curse they were putting on her to make her even more anxious. And that was just the beginning. Later, when other members decided to leave, some members created threads suggesting the use of physical violence against the deserters. Minjin noticed that Gia's demeanor had changed. She was posting constantly in the group, and when she was, she was often irritated or short-tempered. He decided to try to get her to leave the group, but this just led to a loud fight. Gia was the type of girl that didn't like when things didn't go her way. Some acquaintances even said that she put on a happy face around Minjin and acted like this doting sweet girlfriend, but in reality, she was a cold-hearted, mean bully. Immediately after their fight ended, Gia posted online about wanting to place a curse on her own boyfriend for speaking out against the group. Minjin had no idea because at this point he had already left the group, but their relationship continued to worsen. Minjin felt their romantic relationship was over, but he had really high hopes that they could still have a friendship. He tried to reach out to her to make amends, but found she didn't want to answer any of his texts or calls. When he talked to his friends, he'd found out she'd also badmouthed him to everyone they knew. Enraged by the betrayal he had faced from Gia, he contacted Juan, Gia's younger friend, and began complaining all about Gia being too involved in the group and how he wanted her to leave, and he was cursing out Juan and telling him if Juan didn't get her to leave the group that he would expose all of their identities. Well, Juan didn't like this one bit and immediately turned to the Spirit Commander's group for help. He created an offset thread about harassing Minjun, and together, the group, including Jia, sent him hundreds of text messages, and the messages they were sending weren't tame. They weren't just telling him to have a bad day. They were cursing him out, wishing him to unalive himself. They were absolutely atrocious. At this point, the group had only existed for a few months, and it had already become so toxic so quickly. On April 24, 2012, Gia made a post on her own personal blog saying that she hoped Minjin died, and other members of the group followed suit, commenting that they wanted to curse him out or even posting what they wanted to say to him in the comments. Juan even commented, who I will remind you is 16 years old, he commented saying that he wanted to be the one who killed Minjin, and a friend of theirs, Yu-chan, commented that he 
wanted to help Juan take care of the problem. At this point, the group had mostly stopped posting in the Spirit Commander's group and was conducting all of this talk of violence outside of the group in their personal blogs or in personal text chats. Meanwhile, on Minjin's blog, he has posted about how deeply sorry he was for taking out his anger on Juan and even apologized to Gia for asking her to step away from something she was so passionate about. He seems like he was deeply sorry and of course, possibly because of the severe harassment he received, wanted to make a public post letting everyone know how sorry he was. When Juan, Yuchan, Sua, and Gia finally read Minjin's blog post, it was a little bit too late. They had already started plotting something in their secret text chat. Minjin reached out to Juan to apologize. He wanted to meet face to face so that he could say sorry and hopefully mend their friendship. He also wanted to get Juan away from online, away from the chat, away from all of the members of the Spirit Commanders, so that hopefully he could reason with Juan. And he maybe wanted to speak to Jia face-to-face as well. Minjin was attending Shinchan University in the area, so he would have to wait to take time off to come visit them. So they planned for him to visit on April 30th, six days after Jia had made the post hoping Minjin would die. Minjin wholeheartedly believed that he could mend things with Juan, and he even purchased a very expensive graphics card to give to him, hoping to mend their friendship. But Juan, Sua, Jia, and Yuchan all had a different idea in mind. They had started planning something for Minjun's arrival. On April 29th, the day before Minjun was visiting, Yuchan and Juan plotted together how they would kill Minjun. They even prepared two knives that they would bring to the park. All of this plotting did happen in the group text chat. Jia and Sua knew about the plan. The next morning, on April 30th, 2012, Juan and Yuchan practiced how they would overpower Minjun and kill him. Yuchan was older. He was 19 years old. He could overpower him and hold him while Juan would stab him repeatedly. They called Minjun to meet them at a children's park near Shinjan Station at 7.30 p.m. Minjin agreed to meet them there and texted his group chat that he had with six of his college friends about where he was going and what he was doing. He knew that it was risky going to that park at night with Juan because of the fight they had before. He was worried that Juan would want to fight him, but he was hoping it wouldn't come to that. Before Minjin went to meet Juan at the park, he had been having dinner with a high school friend. He left the friend, said goodbye, and headed towards the park at about 7 p.m. He arrived at the park, and before he saw Juan, he texted his college group chat where he was. He also said he was there to apologize to Juan, and he brought a gift for him. He also confided in his friends that he wanted to see Gia and convince her to leave the group before he went back home. He sent that message at 7.23 p.m. A few minutes later, at 7.30 p.m., Juan, Jia, Sua, and Yuchan all left Juan's house to head towards the park. However, Jia split from the group and went home early. Apparently, this was part of their plan. On the way there, Yuchan gave Juan one of the knives to hold. The three met up with Minjun and began walking around the park while making small talk. They chose this park in particular because it wasn't covered by the CCTV. They talked and walked for a while until 8.13 p.m. Minjun sent another message to his group chat. He wrote, They're taking me down an alley. It's really suspicious. 
After he sent that message, his friends would lose contact with him. The area of the park that they walk to isn't covered by CCTV. It's often littered by trash, homeless people take shelter there, and it's usually a hotbed for crime. When they finally stopped walking, Minjin took off his backpack and began to show Juan the graphics card that he brought. But before he could begin to apologize, Juan began shouting obscenities at him and threatening him. This is when Yuchan grabbed an electrical wire from his back pocket and strangled Minjin to the ground. Juan took out the knife he was hiding and began stabbing Minjin 10 times while Minjin screamed for help. The two boys didn't care about his pleas for help. Instead, Yuchan pinned him to the ground, grabbed a steel pipe, and began beating Minjin repeatedly. When Juan and Yuchan were finished brutally murdering Minjin, he had suffered 40 stab wounds and bludgeoning to his head, neck, and stomach. While he was certainly dead, they took the time to stab him two more times in the neck. The gruesome scene was nauseating to read about. Some of Minjun's organs were exposed or spilling from his abdomen onto the pavement. The two murderers didn't flee the scene immediately. Instead, they decided to hide the body. They tried to roll Minjun's body off of the side of the road down a hill, but the thorny bushes prevented them from doing it. And the visible blood stain on the road couldn't be cleaned up quickly. So they decided to change their plan. They stopped trying to hide the body, knowing that a sanitation worker would likely come in the morning and discover it anyways. They knew that parks were becoming more dangerous in South Korea, and likely they wouldn't be tied to the crime. Certain parks in South Korea had become very common locations to discover bodies, whether it be a homeless person who passed away in the cold of night, a murder victim, or someone who took their own life. If you've listened to other Korean true crime cases, a lot of our cases include bodies that were found in public parks. While things are getting better now, in 2012, Juan and Yuchan would know that bodies were often found in parks and the lack of CCTV coverage meant that they were likely to get away with their murder. Immediately after fleeing the scene, Juan and Yuchan sent text messages in the group chat justifying what they had just did. Juan posted, if there are 30,000 murders in the world each day, why would 30,001 matter? After they left the park, they remembered that Min had a backpack and a cell phone, so they went back quickly. They grabbed the backpack, took the graphics card, destroyed Minjin's cell phone, and threw it into a pond. They then continued to text the group chat about making plans to burn the bloodied clothes. So, let's establish a timeline for the events that happened. If Minjin's last text message was sent at 8.13 p.m. and the attack happened shortly after that, we can surmise that the attack lasted less than 20 minutes, including Yuchan and Juan returning to the scene for the backpack and cell phone, as a nearby resident found Minjin's body at 8.47 p.m., merely 34 minutes after Minjin sent the text message to his friends. The resident contacted the police and the police arrived at 9.20 p.m., about a half hour later. Minjin's college friends lost contact with him at 8.13 p.m., but they continued to try to reach him. They called and they texted, but when they couldn't reach him, they started to freak out. At 8.49 p.m., just two minutes after the resident found Minjin's body, they contacted Juan. They questioned Juan about Minjin's location, but Juan denied knowing where Minjin was. He said, they talked a little, they fought a little, they made up, and then they parted ways near Shincheon Station next to Ua's Women University. But the friends didn't believe him, so they immediately contacted the police. 
who had just arrived at the scene of Min Jun's death. The friends were devastated to hear that their friend was dead. The police quickly gathered the CCTV footage at the entrance of the park, and thankfully, all three of their faces were in the footage. Throughout the night and into the next day, May 1st, 2012, Jia, Sua, Yuchan, and Juan all were following the case intently, and they were texting each other about whether or not they liked the direction the investigation was going. Juan was completely unaffected by the murder he had committed the previous night and even began planning a date with his girlfriend Sua at a jimjobang, a Korean sauna. They texted each other all day about how excited they were to sleep side by side at the jimjobang. And that night, they did. They slept side by side until the police arrived and arrested them both. However, Sua was released shortly later because the arrest warrant was only for Juan and Yuchan. The next day on May 2nd, 2012, Yuchan was arrested at his house. It wasn't until 27 days later the police were able to get an arrest warrant for both Jia and Sua after pulling all of the text records. While we don't know what happened in interrogation, Min Jun's father spoke publicly to the press and said he believed that the two boys were trying to lighten their sentence by shifting the blame between the four of them. All four of the perpetrators sent handwritten letters to Min Jun's father, but he returned them unopened because he was uninterested in what they had to say. The prosecuting attorneys believed that this was a planned crime and not accidental like the defense wanted to claim. They said that neither of the perpetrators experienced remorse after the incident and it was evident in the text messages that they sent. The prosecution sought life imprisonment for Yuchan, 12 years for Jia, and 15 years for Sua and Juan. I know because of the prosecution's recommendation, you're wondering why Juan would receive a lighter sentence despite being the boy who committed the majority of the attack. Well, at the time of the brutal murder, Juan was 16 years old. Juvenile law in South Korea states that children aged 14 to 18 can only be given a maximum of 15 years imprisonment for criminal offenses. Children aged 10 to 13 cannot be charged with criminal offenses. Children under the age of 10 cannot be charged with anything. At their sentencing on October 24, 2012, the judge sentenced Yuchan and Juan to 20 years imprisonment, going over the 15-year maximum, stating, Severe sentences are inevitable for the accused who brutally murdered the victim in a planned attack. Jia, who wasn't at the crime scene at all, was still sentenced to seven years imprisonment. The judge explained, Jia is charged with mentally aiding other defendants to kill the victim. All of their text messages and blogs were shown in court as evidence to them conspiring to kill Minjin. And Sua, who was at the park that night but didn't participate in the killing of Minjun, was sentenced to 12 years in prison, seven in short term. The Court of Appeals upheld this ruling in January 2013, and the Supreme Court confirmed the original sentencing in May of 2013. A civil trial was brought forth by Minjun's family asking for 454 million won, or about $380,000. Yuchan and Jia would have to start paying the family the money immediately, but Juan and Sua, who were under the age of 18, well, their parents would have to start footing the bill. There's one last part of this case that I would like to discuss, and that's the impact that this murder had on different communities. Yuchan and Sua were cosplayers. Hello everyone, this is Mimi in editing. I meant to say that Juan and Sua were into cosplay together. 
They posted often about their cosplay, and immediately after this case became the talk of the nation, cosplayers everywhere felt the stigma and the demonization for their art. Cosplayers weren't the only community that became severely demonized in the media. Mediums, spirit workers, and shamans also faced a lot of criticism in the news. Protestant media created a satanic panic. Neighbor blogs were being shut down all over the nation, and parents were scared that their children were into satanic rituals. Just as American media tries to tie violent video games to violent children, the Protestant media in South Korea began to demonize children who felt marginalized and found communities online. As a response to the fear and panic brought upon by these children murdering their friend, a new disease was invented called middle school syndrome, where parents anticipated that children aged 10 to 15 would become extremely violent and there was nothing we could do to stop it. However, now that time has passed, initiatives have been started to help listen to marginalized children's voices so that incidents like what happened to the spirit commanders doesn't happen again. Thank you for listening to Korean True Crime with me, your host, Mimi Muziko. See you next time.